0: It has been my honor to be the principal of the Bible School for these three years, and as Pastor Colin says, I'm not disappearing, I'm just making a transition, and I consider this to be one of my spiritual homes, and uh, I will be back here next month preaching, and I'm scheduled for other events, so I'm not really leaving, I'm just transitioning. Everybody say, transitioning. That's the word, amen. Amen. Before I go into my final address to you as the students, I do want to honor uh, Calvin and Anne if they would come to the platform please as the uh, ones that have helped me, if you would um, make your way to the platform. This is, thank you. We would like to give Anne these beautiful flowers for me personally and say thank you for your hard work and your great, and this is from me to you too. Give him a good hand if you would Just stay standing. When uh, I came to take the Bible school, we all came as a team. and uh, we have uh, did a lot of good work and we've enjoyed, but I wanted to say I've enjoyed working with Calvin and Ann uh, over these three years, and uh, they've been a good team, and as they go to Kenya, may God give them much responsibility to do much for the Lord amen thank you for laboring with me in the Bible school you both have been a great honor to have give them a good God bless you if you were again. and I do want to give them another point of credit um, with all the um, accreditation and validation that we've been going through that has been their project that they have worked on more than I and so um, I must Give them the honor. Now, I mean, you say you're the principal, but those two took the responsibility of laboring through British academic educational paper, working it out, processing it to get it where we are today. And they deserve all the credit, and all the honor, and all the thank yous for that goes to Calvin and Anne. Would you give them another one blessing for what they did? And, um, i'm glad they were there because i could not have done it when i first went through my first few meetings with the uh... accreditation and validation process i realized i only know american english i was learning british english but british academic english is another whole language by itself and only god and the great angels could figure it out but uh... we are very proud uh, i'm very proud to have them as a team and look forward to seeing them again in my world travels I make friends for life and you're my friend for life and you're my students for life and wherever I may be in the world and wherever you may be at the same time you're welcome to come and find me and you will get through the FBI agents and the ushers and all that you will get in to say hello and to hug my neck and me to hug your neck so push through the crowds and you will be welcome wherever I am so always remember that always remember that as students during this time period Christian education has always been a part of God's plans in his kingdom on this earth. To educate the heart and the mind. It is important that we keep our schools spiritual with an academic support. When they become academic with a spiritual touch, then we become very close to what the world knows as itself. And so we must always keep the spiritual aspect dominant and the most powerful part of our institutions in the church the academic is the support to that it is the undergird it is underneath it is not the governing power and as whoever succeeds me as principal the greatest challenge you will face will be the great waltz between spirituality and academics there are times when spirituality must dominate what's happening at that moment in the school and then there are times that we must give proper honor and proper credence to the academic requirements that the state and that we need to have in our institutions of learning but we cannot let just one dominate and the other one disappear it is the great union of the two it is putting those two together and i call it the great dance or the great waltz because you have got to know how to step at the right time to make it all work out to become a purposeful thing in the heart of each student because if we produce just great minds and little spirits we fail if we produce big loud spirits and not understanding, we fail too. But if we combine them, we, we build and we create giants that can take on any type of enemy that would come at us. And we can laugh at them, conquer them, and have victory over them and look for the next one. And that's when we combine these two things together. Tonight, I want to look at it for the last few minutes of this service in our graduation to remind you, students, of certain things I've said since I've been your principal and you that are family here tonight may I say this to you first if they come back and act like they did when you first sent them then we have failed they must come back into your family into your life different than how they left you so don't expect them to remain act talk walk believe as they were when they left they should come back louder stronger better more powerful more eager and fearless in the face of spiritual and natural conflict because the word in you makes you a giant the word in you gives you a capacity to believe the impossible and make it happen and that is what we are trying to create out of this school for this nation and for the european continent we live in a moment in europe and in Great Britain that if we do not train and build new leaders the devil is trying to bring a modern dark age over these great countries and shrink the churches to be just little lights that once was something that God never planned for anything to demise or to deteriorate or to diminish He plans only for one thing, it gets louder, it gets bolder, it gets stronger, and it keeps going forward day in and day out, year after year and decade after decade, and that is what we have tried to do. I remind the students here too of your spiritual DNA. Some of you came with some of it already within your spirit, but while you've been at KT, you've been a part of, number one, the great George Jeffries mantle. And may I remind you, you were not born by an administrative gift. You were born, and this church was born by an apostolic healing evangelist that took charge of this nation and brought salvation and healing and planted trees all over Great Britain. And that is the foundation of your spiritual DNA as we start our journey tonight. I remind you that you are not just formed of a denomination. You're formed from a man who was born in the Welsh revival or born again in the Welsh revival who said it should not end and got up with his friends. And said, we shall continue. And he continued all the way to the end of his life. And the last church that he pastored was this one. And the mantle that he carried rested on two entities. It rested on a man named Reinhard Bonnke. And the other part of his mantle rested upon this great church called Kensington Temple. You now have a portion of that anointing, of that capacity upon you and in you. So trust it. Accept it, believe it, and let it work through you to do what it's supposed to do as you go into your separate fields of harvest and of duty. And never be ashamed of how God puts you together. Never be ashamed that that part rests with inside of you. You're also a part of Pastor Colin and Amanda in this team's anointing and capacity. Pastor Colin and Amanda in the team here is not just another minister in England they are outstanding ministers of the gospel here and recognized around the world thank you Calvin so let me remind you that wherever you go you should carry this particular season that you've been here with pride with honor and great faith that you've been able to sit under talk with walk with pastor Colin and Amanda and this team and let no man And no woman or no devil or any organization ever make you think there's something not right with what you've got while you were here. May I say that again? Don't let any man, any woman, any organization make you doubt the deposit, the anointing, the capacity, the seeds that are in you. Hold them dear. Let them grow because this anointing is a big anointing. It produces churches. It goes first. It's a breakthrough anointing that where God sends you, you're going to need. And if you let people make fun of it and you stay quiet, you lose a part of its great power of what was seated inside of you. The way God put me together in my life by putting together my mother, my grandmother, Brother Roberts, brother Summerall, Brother Ekman, is a part of the DNA that I carry people have made fun of my mother they made fun of my grandmother they made fun of all Roberts in my presence they made fun of Brother Summerall in my presence but I stood up for them because what I got their negative words will never penetrate in my heart to know what I've received and how it works inside of me and I'm proud of how God put me together and you should be the same way from this day to the end of your life and everybody said amen May I remind you too that this anointing of KT and then this house is an anointing that builds big things. Everybody say big. big. Now I know living here for three years that this great country that I've come to call myself British after American. If I wasn't American, I'd be British. I actually like a cup of tea now. I, I, I've got into the whole thing. But inside of this culture, there are certain things that I challenge all the time small is not your destiny the Bible says we have days of small beginnings not decades not centuries so if something goes into year after year of remaining small and not growing and not working it's time to investigate why and get it fixed but it may start with a mindset that the mindset That the devil wants to make sure that you have is small is okay. I hope during the two to three years I've been with you, I have not just confronted it, but I've helped kill that thing where it will not live again. That when the word small or the temperature of accepting smallness of a way of life, there'll be something inside of you that'll rise up and kick it rise up and stomp on it rise up and reject it and say no i don't accept that my life will be small i am destined for big and big and big and big and big things with god redefine christianity in this country by how you preach how you live how you build and make sure it all grows to something we call big our god is big and he makes big projects come to pass in the earth can you say amen big is a God idea and I pray that every one of you only thinks that way I walked into Oral Roberts' office one time he was on the top of the 60 story building that he had built and on his desk was a little plaque not his name because most people put on their desk their nameplate at least they do in america but he had removed his name i guess by the time of get into his office you'd know whose office you were in because he had so many security guards to get to him you thought you were in washington dc and on his desk was not his name it was his little saying make no small plans here i hope you'll do the same thing on your desk put that on your bathroom mirror put that on the refrigerator so you see it every day Make no small plans. It may start small. Everything God does starts in a seed. It starts small. But when that seed is planted, it begins to grow. And it keeps growing. And it gets bigger and bigger. The only place that smallness seems to have some type of respect is in religious circles. And that's because they're dead. That's because they're spiritually not astute to the things of God's nature and God's Word they've allowed the tradition of men and religious spirits to define what their destiny is and God's plan for every person is to go all the days of your life producing fruit that remains and for everything to keep growing into its full statured state in the earth and in every city that you're a part of if people don't like big get new friends amen brother roberts i'll amen myself if they don't like big things get new church members if your staff in your future does not like big things fire them and get new ones and tell them the principal told you to do it and i'll take the heat for your decision hallelujah i'm trying as principal. I declare that to you with no shame. I declare that to you with no reservation. When you go out to obey God, God has another thing He always does for the obedient ones. He gives you money. Now I know saying money on a graduation night may offend half of you, but money. (laughs) I celebrate this month my next year in full time ministry, 30 some years I've been in ministry. I started preaching when I was 13 years old. Yeah, you should clap for that one. And I learned early in ministry if you're going to succeed, you need two things you need an anointing and you need cash. And you can't be ashamed of either one of them. The anointing that isaiah said breaks the yoke he didn't just say certain yokes it breaks every kind of yoke you come up against the anointing of god upon you should be the most treasured thing that you could have that you know that carry, that you carry and that you have when you walk off that stage or walk out the front door of your church nobody may say thank you nobody may say well done but there will be a notice from heaven that'll tell you at the end of that anointing's work in your life well done Amen. when I walk off this stage every night that I preach at KT that I go back behind that door you're very nice to me though here you always hug and kiss me and say good job I appreciate that but some places they don't like it I'm too American I'm too rude I'm too raw but that's me get used to it or run for your life but when I walk off this stage or any other stage I learned early from my grandmother ask him if you did well and he's never failed to tell me yes no or next time be aware of this and even in his correction or in his admonishment there comes a security of satisfaction I pray for you that you will know that same thing from the very first time you start your sermons to the last breath that you breathe because it doesn't matter if 10,000 people go "Mm -mm," and God goes well done it settles the emotion the heart and the attitude the anointing of God is an invisible unseen resource that you must learn to rely upon you may have charisma you may have talent you may be the best looking in the crowd but none of that works the anointing is something you must never enter a platform without knowing that it's going to be there for you When it comes on you, it turns you into a different person. It gives you an ability to look at everybody and see no problems. To look at any situation and see a path to victory. That anointing comes on you. It makes you come up into another world. And you have a joy and a peace and a settlement and a stability that you can find no place else. I pray that you'll always have that tangible anointing upon your life. That must be something that you go after. My grandmother said to me one time, it's a sin for people to learn how to preach without the anointing. I pass to you my grandmother's comment. May it be a sin you to learn how to preach without the anointing if you have no anointing hear another squeaky voice if you have no anointing we should have stayed home if you have no anointing watching television might have been better than coming to church to hear you and that says something we live in a day when we have taught men and women how to act, talk, and do programs with lights and cameras and whistles and bells. And we, fought, we forgot the most fundamental thing that sets us apart from every other kind of gathering in the world. And that's the tangible presence of His anointing. May the words that I'm speaking to you ring throughout your days. And may you find yourself always being caught into a check and balance Do I have that anointing have I been graced for this moment to enter that auditorium to face people who maybe you are their last chance for a miracle their last chance for salvation their last hope before they give up all hope it's not your personality. It is an anointing that comes from another world that breaks things and lifts them and delivers them and heals them. And may we find again a new generation that becomes dependent not upon their talent but upon the anointing of the most high God. Oh, Rebecca Hayate. In this city of London, may every pastor come to that same thing again or get fired. May they lose their churches. And they don't come back to finding that their people need the revelation of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. This great country needs anointed men and women again. Who will speak uncompromisingly and unafraid to say what should be said in the way it should be said where it cannot be denied. This political correctness is trying to remove the edge of the prophetic voice the muscle of the apostle, the strength of the evangelist to call and to weaken the strength of the local church may God give you a boldness and set your tongue on fire that nothing can stop it even like the threat of jail or prison <laughs> may we again have in Great Britain these kind of men and women again an anointing is requirement for victory I mentioned a word earlier that I don't want to go back to just for a moment. Money. You thought I forgot it, didn't you? I let it rest for a moment and I'm going to come back. So it took a few of you by shock. You all want it. Most of you don't have it. The reason why some people don't have it is because so many preachers are scared to preach about it. And what you're scared to preach about is where you don't love your people as a pastor and a leader whatever part of the gospel that you're ashamed to preach whether it's healing prosperity whatever it may be deliverance the assurance of salvation whatever part of the gospel you're ashamed to declare boldly and uncompromisingly is the part where you're ashamed and that's where you don't love your people remember that what you don't preach on that's where you stop loving what you don't declare that's where you stop loving when you look at the people you don't look at them and go I don't want to offend them you need to offend them you need to provoke them to come out of their condition into a faith receiving position to receive We live in a moment when the whole world's in an economic crisis, but God is not. God has never met a devil, a person, or a circumstance that stops him from creating the supply that you need for your life and your ministry. It does not matter where God sends you. The word works there, and it'll work for those that you preach to that'll believe it. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Let them shout and let them say continually, The Lord be praised, such as pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. And I command you to prosper all the days of your life i command prosperity to be a part of your christian experience i command abundance to be a part of your ministerial life from this day until the end of your life i declare that to you with no shame and no doubt i know for you that are listening this may not be your normal commencement but i don't plan to ever have a normal commencement all those are nice little pictures that fade away I am speaking to a generation that I am believing before I am dead will see a new England and a new Europe and a new world what they used to call the missionary graveyards of Europe the hard places of Britain I believe in my lifetime will be opened and they will be fountains of living water with great churches and great ministries there I believe that there is coming another reformation into this nation. A great exodus out from the religious structure is coming to this country. And some of you, if not all of you, are called to lead a part of this great exodus out from among the dead into the living purposes of God at this time. I did not come to Great Britain to just drink tea. I came here to impregnate you with faith that conquers the world. A belief that if it's not alive it should change or be left behind when you leave something that is dead friends you don't sit in a Christmas card you don't sit it a postcard you don't say goodbye you turn and you walk with no shame to the light and the life and you go there and you live there and you enjoy it and let the dead bury the dead do you hear me tonight I don't care if it's a 10,000 member dead church. If it's dead, leave. Good evening, everybody. It's my last address as principal. Ministry has hardships. So live it dramatically. Live it to the maximum. If you're going to be persecuted, then live first class in your gifting. Maximize it every single day if they're going to persecute you give them something good to persecute you for if they're going to dislike you then give them something where they can really dislike you what would that be? how you preach with a tone of authority with no shame or wavering in your voice your presence carries the command of God your countenance is one that breaks through every gloomy face, every unbelieving statement, and you keep smiling, and you keep believing, and you keep breaking through. If you're going to be persecuted, then do something worth being persecuted for. If they're going to write a book about you, make sure it's a good one. I've been excommunicated three times in my life. Three times and I'm only 46 years old. That's at least once per decade of my life. I've been kicked out when I was 23 years old. I didn't even know what excommunication meant. It took me six months to figure it out. They kicked me out the first time because I would not back off of spiritual warfare, which all it means is enforcing Calvary's victory on a devil that's rebellious and making him obey. And they didn't like it because they had one. They told me, if you don't stop it, will have to take your papers papers are nothing papers from organizations is this students it's nothing more than man recognizing what god's already begun so if they take their recognition away whoopie do <laughs> the only thing i'd be concerned about did god take anything away and i found me a verse That the gift that God gave me and the gift that God gave you, he will never take it back from you. What God has given, it shall remain. Oh, hallelujah. It shall remain. They may kick you out of their group and take their paper. Mail it to them in a first class letter. I realized the first time I got excommunicated because of spiritual warfare that some of my so-called friends couldn't be my friends anymore. That was the first thing that excommunication meant. Number two, I couldn't go preach in their churches or they would get in trouble. So now they couldn't be my friend and invite me to speak. And that made me feel funny. It's called rejection. Rejection. I remember I was thinking about it and praying about it, like, Lord, did I make a mistake? And he said, did I kick you out of the kingdom? I said, not the last time I checked. He said, I've not kicked you out of the kingdom. You just got kicked out of a group of 200 churches. My kingdom was bigger. Go meet the rest of the people. And I'm telling you that afternoon when the Lord said to me, I'm not being kicked out of the kingdom. I'm still in the kingdom. I still am in the kingdom. And the word works for the one that works it. And they thought I would shrivel up and die, but I got bigger. You know what I got because I didn't die? When I got kicked out the first time, God gave me two nations. One was called Great Britain and the other one was Singapore. And I'm still in both of them. So, whenever you get excommunicated for the right thing, stand tall. Put your shoulders back. Be in joy. Be happy. Go right on and do what God's called you to do. you are not been kicked out of the kingdom and the word did not quit working for you because there is coming a moment in British history in your lifetime when there will be a great exodus from the traditional churches of this country and of Europe. And they will get upset with how you are. And what you are. I hope tonight you remember me in my little blue tie, my white shirt, and my stuff. <laughs> and my American screaming accent tonight. That you're not afraid of that day. You don't shrink back. You put your head up. And you walk through the opposition. Like Jesus did in his home church in Luke chapter 4. He walked through the midst of them and went his way. Go the way. That God's called you and don't back down. Because our generation right now was waiting for somebody worth following. And it could be you. Don't be ashamed. To the young women in this graduating class. You are not second class. Jesus did not make a second-class gender he did not make a second-class person and i want to go on record again in your ears and i've said it all through the year and i want to go on record in this great church that a woman can do anything a man can do if they meet the same requirement and that is did god tell you to do it if god told you to do it ladies then go do it God will make a path, He'll give you the cash, He'll give you the workers, He'll give you favor and just go straight through and get it done. And let me say it this way, and if they don't like you, I'll ordain you. I'll take every woman here in ordain you and put you out to work and say go girls. It is time that Great Britain and Europe Begins to rework their mindset toward the women in the church Even in this great church It's time that the women of KT has the proper respect And that is released to do the bidding of God as God has set it in their heart to do And may the men and the leadership and the country and the denomination support these great gifts of God that are here at this time in history May it stand. Let the women of God be the women of God. It is a shame. The arrogance of men have suppressed the greatness of the gifts of God inside of the women of so many lands. You need not to ever... Make an issue that you're a woman. Just produce the fruit that answers all the questions. If. I'm trying to close. But the preach is upon me. I'm trying. If. Somewhere. In your life. You make a mistake if you sin and they say fall from grace that really you fall into grace not fall from grace in reality but let's address this for a moment the Bible is full of men and women who God has called and used who made some minor and some most dramatic mistakes Noah built the ark but after he got out of the ark he grew a vineyard and got drunk and got naked David ran for his life, didn't kill Saul, became king, and then killed somebody. After committing adultery with his wife, you go through history and you find the sad fact that the human race still makes great and grave mistakes. I have made them myself. So I'm not just preaching from theory. I know this from a fact. I'm not perfect, but I am sincere. Like you, on this special day. If you fall, get up. It is the natural reaction to a fall is to get up. It is also a natural reaction to them around you to help you get up. I was on the tube a few days ago, and a lady kind of ran through the door before it closed, and she fell right in the middle of the the train. And all of us jumped to help her and made sure she was okay. A guy got up out of his seat and gave her the seat and made sure she was fine. It was a natural response when someone fell that people came to help but I want to talk to you about a reality in church life in ministry life the natural reaction is that okay now I'm I'm not I'm doing this on purpose the reaction Historically, experientially, is that when someone falls for whatever it may be, small or large, but it is a crisis moment. The religious spirit that lives about a half a foot from your heart, it lives right here. Certain spirits live in the vicinity of all Christians and ministers waiting for a moment to find entry into thought actions and belief that's why you must keep all spiritual laws activated at all times the reaction is to do this to push as has been said to shoot the wounded i first ask you to choose to treat those around you that may make mistakes the opposite of what I just explained. That you will be the voice of grace and kindness. That you will be the voice of hope and restoration. That you would be the voice of defense and protection. No matter how dark that moment may be in that person's life. But if it's you that wakes up in the morning... And finds a problem has come. Number one, God has not left you. Number two, God will not leave you. Three, he gets closer to you. If you fall get up stand back up and put both feet flat on the ground turn your face back to your call move your heart back in the right motives repent of your sin shake the dust off of your off of your dress or your, or your pants and go back to your destiny go back to your post go back to your place of divine occupation the only thing that leaves you during a crisis is humans you discover your friends in a crisis you don't discover them when you're the flavor of the month when you're the popular ministerial star everybody loves you then you find your friends in a crisis and you find that god has not left you nor has he repented that he ever called you i remember the day in the bedroom in california When I wanted to quit, and I'd quit 5,000 times that month. And God did not say, I accept your resignation. I remember I put my feet on the bed that day. And I looked up. I said, okay. I still believe. And those two words, I believe. I believe. Begin to pull me right back where I belonged. If you fall, get up. If you fall, God's not left you. God's closer to you. He's going to stay with you. And God is going to make a path for you to fulfill everything related to your life and destiny. I know sometimes you don't want to address that issue in a ministerial commencement, but it is important that we do address it because there are thousands of ministers across the UK and Europe that have walked out thinking God has rejected them, that God has removed that which he granted them because of their sin. And I want you to be one of the John the Baptist to their ears. God still loves you. God's still calling you. We want you. Return to your post. Come and labor. Come and be. And let's restore everybody we can back to their destiny. Back to their call. And we will cheer them. And we will bless them. Even if it cost us something. Some of you here tonight might be one of those some of you may be a part of churches and denominations who their rules are so heavy that the Bible has no voice amongst their tradition and you ask me what would you do if you were caught in that I would leave them and I would go join a church like this one and find new life new hope new restoration and understanding, and be returning to my destiny the right way. We bring this service to a close. I showed you this week my most favorite minister I've ever saw in my life, Miss Kuhlman. And in that film that I showed you, she quoted what she would say when she would see jesus for the very first time miss kuhlman should not have made it as you know miss kuhlman according to the traditions of her day had committed the unpardonable sin of divorce thank god that he was bigger than their traditions or we'd have missed one of the most beautiful healing ministries of all times. She said she had never seen Jesus face to face or in vision type of form. But she was asked by a reporter, when you see Jesus for the very first time, what are you going to say? When you have finished Your earth responsibility. What are you going to say, Miss Kuhlman? She says, I know exactly what I'm going to say when I him for the very first time. Dear Jesus, I tried. I did the best that I knew how. This is a beginning for you. But one day there'll come an ending. We'll all face our final moment on this earth. Every one of you. And we will pass from this earth into eternity. And we will see Jesus For the very first time face to face. We'll see him. Will you just be happy that you made it to heaven? Because there are some. Who are just glad they didn't go to hell. And they made it to heaven. I, I understand that like you do, but that is such a childlikeness, childhood mindset of spirituality. Others will be looking for reward and Jesus will have to say, well, you didn't do what I told you to do, you did what they told you to do. So you don't get a reward, we're glad you made it, come on in. When you leave this earth and you pass to the other side and you meet Jesus in that flesh form then, that reality, a face-to-face encounter. I hope you say, like what Ms. Kuhlman has said, I tried. I did the best that I knew how. to represent you to speak your word demonstrate your love and to fulfill the destiny that you've given me you will know the time of your departure most people do you will feel it within your being that the time of you is about to be totally completed most men at that moment try to do everything they should have done live every season to its maximum fulfill everything that you're supposed to do in every moment of your life so that when you find yourself at the threshold of a new entrance of the other side you're ready to go there's no regret there's no wanting a second chance you've lived you've obeyed you fulfilled you did your best and you're done. And you're ready for your graduation. And Father, we thank you. Our keyboard's to come. We thank you tonight for your most wonderful presence here tonight. I have stood here and gave to these students and to their friends and family under the anointing that you granted me and the authority that you gave to me to the, for this moment i pray that your spirit shall come anew upon each graduate for this is a day that you have made and we will respect it and we shall rejoice in it as well i pray that the holy spirit's presence will see something that you will not be able to live without in your life That you'll have one great addiction, and that is to the presence of the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Open the eyes of these graduates that they might see, and the ears of them that they could hear, that they may know your voice and your mighty power, and you may, O Holy Spirit. Reveal to them in the depths of their being exactly what you want them to be and to do in their life to where no matter how many storms may rage against them there is a surety there is a knowing beyond any doubt that they are called and they are destined to do these great deeds in this generation remove the wrong people out of their life and put the right ones in remove the wrong people out of their lives and let the right ones come in i pray that every illegal word and utterance that has been spoken over you will lose its effect I command false prophecies, illegal utterances to die and to lose its effect upon your soul and your life. And I speak to the gift of God that is in you for it to live and for it to come into the earth. May the financial resources flow unto you like a river that shall never run dry may there be a boldness that is a part of your personality and inner character that God grants you this very night And Father we vow to give you the glory for everything that you shall do through these people, these graduates. We vow to recognize that you are their source and you are their God. And we give to you the glory and you the honor for these years that we've had here together Thank you for giving me these three years. You've been so kind to me. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good to me. is no other source of encouragement we reach to but to you most high we set our affections on things that are above and we give you our will we give you our strength we give you our all Spirit we reverence you here in this moment let's all stand softly and lift our hands to stand up all over the room just stand up for a moment I know it's a little past nine but his presence is here let's lift up our hands and just worship him softly Where's Jonathan? We worship Him. We worship Him. We worship Him. He is everything. He is everything. It's not just some, but He is Sanctuary. We worship him. Brasilifriki de Ledru Somanamahai. We worship.